Welcome to the podcast of The Urban Mystic. This is season two where we meet with fellow deconstructors, fellow journeymen and journeywomen to hear the story of their first experience of God, calling to ministry, deconstruction and present journey. Natalie, there, there, there's so much in, in what you're saying that I think really merits like a like a real real conversations and real deep dives around. Mm. But what I love about your story and how you tell it is how a lot of it just weaves together. You know, the clash of church cultures, the the, the fact that you didn't come in with any sense of of limitation, and yet you 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 know you pretty much get given an axe and taught how to grind it. <laughs> you know, for for, for years. And I imagine that some of the language that is the, that that could be used around you is, "Oh, you that woman who's got an axe to grind," <laughs> as opposed to the recognition that the only reason that that axe exists is because of of the artificial limitations that have been put in place to inhibit you, and to inhibit the contributions that you could make. And personally, for me, like I, you know, I've I've had my own fair share of of, of frustrations in ministry, but I, I've I've had no limitation on the basis right. of my gender. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that I, I speak to so many women who have, quite frankly, just pisses me off beyond belief. Mm. Like, I, I feel like the next male that, that, that wants to say things like women can't be in ministry, I'm just going to punch him in the <laughs> dick. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's the limitations of, yeah. Uh, yeah. of how, how, how impolite I'm going to be in this context. So, so if you are one of those males as a listeners and you meet me for coffee, we're yeah. a bull box. <laughs> and, and you know, the thing is, um, having now read several books and and having examined all the verses and 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 people get so tied up in knots around all these little verses and I I was just go like major on the majors you know in the beginning God created men and women in His image like 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 what more do I need to explain you know there was both in His image so. I don't care what it says about women being silent in church, blah, blah, blah. In the beginning, God created us in his image. So in the story, like that's, that's enough for me, you know? And then after that, you have all the examples of, of women doing all sorts of stuff. And then you have Paul saying, you know, in Christ, there's neither male nor female. To me, anytime you're going to make a doctrine around like little minor verses, you know, there's a problem. Look at the major stuff. The major stuff's clear. And then you move on from there. Like we don't have to get into little speculative, long discussions about obscure verses. Frustratingly enough, uh, I think by and large, churches that are affirming of women in ministry for one, you know, non-employed positions, are uh, that's not that's becoming more the norm. But I don't know if we can speak strongly enough about it being normative yet. And then, furthermore, the notion of a woman being in leadership apart from her husband. So in, in many situations, there's the language of women can be in leadership provided she's married well, and her husband's a, in charge. exactly the thing in this church that I was. There was one woman uh, who was a leader and, and then on the actual board, um, like they would have the men photographed, but she would be photographed with her husband who was like a totally like quiet guy who didn't want to be a leader, you know. <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then one step one step beyond that a lot of churches their compromise is of course women can serve and of course women can lead provided the the top authority the top dog is is male 
And I think that's, that's, that, that, that for me creates an artificial limitation in the sense of going, actually, there is, there is a difference between genders and, and women are subservient to men or, you know, uh, even going a little bit further, women are the property of men. Because that's actually the language, the language of submission from the Old Testament. I mean, let's, let, let's be clear, in any culture where you buy your wife or, or, and she's considered a product that mustn't be spoiled, right? She's got to be a, a virgin. Otherwise, she's a spoiled product and then you should just stone her. You know, that kind of stuff. Like any situation like that, you're not dealing with an environment like where we're at today, where individuals have dignity and value on their own, irrespective of whether they're male or female or whether they're young or old. And unfortunately, I feel like in, in many situations, churches carry over legacy institutional concepts like that. And then they try to justify them through some form of biblical gymnastics. And I feel they, they also, they live with a completely contradictory worldview in that they're quite happy to, in the workplace, have a woman boss. And somehow that's okay. But then in the church, that's not okay, you know? And I feel like if you're going to go that route, be completely consistent, then you must never have a woman over you in any role. It's almost Freudian, isn't it? There's this kind of weird sort of unconscious outworking where I think if you challenge them on that, there'd be some sort of, well, you know, we couldn't really do anything about it. If we could, we would make sure that we never went for a woman. That sort of rubbish. Um, and, and you know what is the worst, I'm sorry to say, is women who, who kind of foster and encourage that, this mentality. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I've been waiting for you to say that. I didn't want to say this. I had a conversation with someone this morning where, where, where I said exactly that. And I'm like, I, like, like I'm not going to say it. I'm going to hope that you're going to say it. And thank you. <laughs> I, have, I have a friend, I'm sorry to say, who, who's been heading up a ministry for years, you know, and, and she'll tell you that no, it's just because like God hasn't like, like they're waiting for a, the right man to kind of come and, you know, to take his rightful place, you know, or, or, you know, she's this covering thing, like she's under the covering of someone. Again, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a culturally uh, contextual thing from yesteryear that we have zero understanding of in our day and age. And quite frankly, it's, it's not healthy then and it's not healthy now. And actually the, the sort of the conflicts in church that you've experienced between sort of male and female, have they been quite different or quite consistent? You know, I hear you describing the two different, so, you know, men will have a specific way of saying it. And then you have these, these female voices that almost seem to hold the prison closed from the inside saying, no, we belong here, we belong here. And, and as you've taken those different sort of authority figures up, have they manifested quite differently or is it quite a similar, and I'm talking experience for you, has it been much the same sort of experience or are there just differences there? I'm trying to ask a, an open-ended question without leading you. So I'm happy to lead you that if, I can be more, if I can be more clear, but I'm interested in your experiences. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think because I've definitely, my husband and I have, have both challenged women who we, we recognized were leaders and said, hey, you know, like own it, um, you know, and and they've they've sort of you know kind of frowned at us like no 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 you know I'm quite happy just as I am and yeah well okay then I'll just go the whole hog and say so you know in some of my experience 
I've both had these wondering moments where I've spoken with women and I've also had some very sort of open moments in speaking with women. And so the open moments are this kind of, yeah, well, you know, if only the Bible said something different or <laughs> we don't like it, but, you know, we've come to accept that we're coming under, you know, there's all that jargon, we're coming under the word, we're coming under our husbands, all that sort of stuff. And there's those open moments of like, I'd love to challenge it, but uh, sure, I just can't because it's not the right thing. And then there's these more moments where I wonder, where I'm in conversation with a woman and saying, so, you know, oh, no, but my husband should take the lead. Well, well why? And I've wondered if, if they felt free enough, they'd want to say, oh, you know, and, and so in your context, I wonder if you'd come across those sort of, they're almost subconsciously egging you on saying, go girl, go, <laughs> but we can't do this. or we don't feel the freedom to do this. Or is it always been a very sort of male response? No, absolutely not. It's not right. Has, has it been a different sort of more nuanced thing or have you found it to be very similar? All the women that I've challenged have sort of kind of backed down. And then sometimes I've challenged just friends of mine, like, just like, like, didn't that bug you when they said that about the submission or, and then they just like, look at me blankly, like, no, that never even occurred to us, you know? And I think, I think part of it is just that they've just been in that environment so long. And, and, and again, that to me, it's that, it's that disconnect. Um, what can I, what is it called? Cognitive dissonance, you know, where, um, where it's like, they actually, they think they believe something, but in practice, that's not how they live. Like I know in their homes, they, they don't live like the husband's the leader. They totally live. They totally live egalitarian marriages. But in the church, they're happy to submit to that teaching and theology, and they don't see that they're actually not living what they say they, they, they believe. And so just because, because it's not actually a stumbling block, because they're not actually living like that, they don't bother to challenge it. And have you ever sort of presented that to, to women in, in, in church settings that sort of, this is what I see in your home and this is how I see a church. Can you explain the, the disconnect? Mm, not really. I don't know. In some ways I have very strong opinions, but I'm also not a very confrontational person. <laughs> um, so I guess, I guess usually what I just say is, you should really read this book. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll give them a book. <laughs> and I mean, I remember, sorry, I just, I just remember saying, I just, it's so funny how people will, um, they'll take their experience as normative or almost as like, because they feel that way, that is the biblical way. Like I remember then, so I met with this, that, the church where I, I tried for two years, we met with a pastor and his wife and she would say, but he, but you see, he, he, he's naturally the, the one who wants to lead and, and I'm naturally not. And then I go, yeah, but I'm naturally the one who wants to lead. <laughs> so like, 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 don't you see that just because you don't want to preach doesn't mean women shouldn't preach, you know, like some of us want to preach. <laughs> 
I, I had a conversation with someone who was uh, like arguing feminism in in a in a traditional Black African context, and basically like working with the fact that that women aren't allowed in the circle of men to make decisions for their particular family and and tribe group, and basically arguing her the gist of her argument was was patriarchy bad. Uh, women need to be allowed into that council of men so that women can also make decisions and and, and be equal. I'm I'm 100 for that. Let me just let me just put that here in case anyone in, in case it's not clear enough with what comes next. But <laughs> but but I countered that and I said I 100 agree with you. But are men allowed in the birthing hunts to be birthing hut to be present to the birth of their children and and what are we doing about the menstrual huts and and men being separated from that and i was met with absolute horror this these are sacred spaces for women of course like how could you how could you do this and i i i I've, i've become very aware that any form of of gender deconstruction like this and any form of of deconstruction of 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 patriarchy etc cetera, etc cetera, you're dealing with a with a number of discrete paradigms and there's a lot of permission and a lot of conversation that takes place about how men's roles need to change but not enough about how women's roles need to change in the sense of 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 we need to open up both spaces in order to get to a freer and better society anyway so it's a difficult conversation to to have and i realize that i as, as a male I'm putting my foot into it. <laughs> I mean, the whole feminism thing is such a sort of tricky field to negotiate as well, because I mean, I, you know, I, I sort of came to a point there where, where I started proudly calling myself a feminist. But I realized that for a lot of people, it's just a very off-putting image and, and they have very negative associations. And I can understand that. And um, and obviously there are different schools of thought within feminism. I mean, for me, feminism is purely about having the same rights and opportunities that men do. Um, and I and I do also think that within the sort of, you know, whenever some like a wrong gets righted, like sometimes, sometimes in certain things it will go overboard, you know. But that's that's often a remedial thing. I don't know. It was it was some famous politician or someone where they said, "When will when will you know when will there be quality? You know, is it is it when when there are fifty percent of the government are, are women and fifty percent are men?" And she said, "No, when all of them are women, because right now all of them are men. Sometimes the very nature of equality means." It has to be able to be a hundred percent, just like it's been a hundred percent for men. It has to be able to swing completely the other way for it to be equal, if that makes sense. <laughs> Not forever, but you know, within certain settings. Um, settings you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe just till till to all the sexist men and sexist women die out, in which case we can get some balance. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that doesn't look like that's happening for us. <laughs> okay, cool. So I, I just wanted to come back to something that you'd said earlier and ask you a question, if I may. You talked about discovering these voices online and writers and, you know, authors and speakers and all that sort of stuff. And in some ways it sounded almost as though 
you were starting to find access to a greater tribe, almost the, the sort of community or the tribe that you'd been looking for. What was that like in terms of the feelings as you think back? You know, I've, I've had somewhat of a similar experience and there's this flood of relief yes. where you find yes. that you, yes. oh, thank God, it's not just me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but what were the sort of emotions that accompany that move with you as you sort of deconstruct out of the institution and into a wider space? Wow. Yeah, I mean, when I started re- re- reading, um, particularly following Rachel Held Evans, I don't know if you, you're familiar with her writing. Yes, familiar with yes, her writing. very much so. And, oh, man, I just, you know, it, everything she said resonated with me, yeah. And, um, I, I, in fact, that, that incident I described to you where, where the pastor's wife said about owning us, and I, I went outside, and I was literally crying. I was like... I was standing outside the church sobbing and I actually got onto Twitter or somewhere. And I, was, I like messaged Rachel Held Evans. <laughs> um, I mean, like, you know, like American time zones, like public figure. <laughs> I'm like, the pastors were just said, men own us, help. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, so dead. <laughs> I mean, bless her. Like she actually responded to me. I can't remember if it was in, I don't think it was in the moment. I think it was later on. And she just went, well, he's wrong. You know, good luck. (laughs) 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 And then someone else actually um, sort of saw my, my cry. They then connected, also an American woman. And she connected with me on Facebook and just sent me some encouraging stuff, you know. And I was like so touched by that. Yeah, so I can't say I've personally connected with too many people, but I, you know, I, as I said, I do follow them. And then if I meet someone else who's read them, you know, so in, so I follow a lot of women. I mean, I, I then have met flesh and blood people in South Africa <laughs> who also followed some of those people. And then that was very meaningful too. I, I, I remember going through, I did go through a very dry patch where I literally didn't even have a, a, I didn't really have a close, like as in proximity female friend that I could really discuss these issues with. And I remember just praying that God would send me someone and, and he did like not immediately, but um, I, I, I then eventually ended up connecting with someone that I had known in Makali's book for years. But for some reason, I just didn't think we had much in common and God just brought us together and the two of us just totally had the same views and everything. And then we met, in fact, we used to say we were doing church and we'd just be the two of us meeting for ages. One of the, one of the things that I'm, I'm very excited about in terms of changes in society is that the institution of the church and people that buy into that as a paradigm have this, uh, have this understanding that membership that group that meets there is a community and is a genuine community. But the reality is that so many people feel that those are pseudo communities without genuine relationships. And one of the incredible things about where the world is at today is that people are really connecting and building their own community and their networks. And some people are in those institutional churches and other people aren't. And yet the, the, the relationships are genuine 
the shared spirituality, the shared life journeying together, however one wants to phrase it, all of that kind of stuff is very real. And people don't have to fit into a particular box or fit into a particular mold or belong through that institution. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm horrified at the, at, at the <laughs> you know, going back to your story of being asked to leave a home group <laughs> after having left the church. I'm horrified about that kind of stuff. Like how, how inhospitable can you be? Well, I mean, to make it worse, this is, this is, this is exactly what happened. They said, um, well, the pastors um, started a series and, and we're going to be moving with the spirit. And since you told us once before <laughs> that you don't believe in um, that every that I, I don't believe that like people get baptized in spirit and have to speak in tongues, we, we just feel maybe that you don't you shouldn't be part of this. So I was like, oh, I was wow. like, this sure. is this is really ironic. Like what, one time, I I kind of left the church because. I was fighting for people to pray in tongues. And this time I'm getting kicked out because I, wa- I don't want to pray in tongues. <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. <laughs> I'm just amazed that you, you could have fought with them over such a brilliant argument. And they were going to, they were going to move with a spirit. So, and clearly I wasn't. <laughs> don't, don't you love those moves of the spirit that kick people out? I've always loved those moves of the spirit that like, Single out people and say, you're no longer welcome. That's my favorite movement of the Spirit, actually. The Holy Spirit's best work is done when she's throwing people out. Well, well, well I must say, it kind, of, it, it kind of in some ways deconstructs the Trinity for me that becomes this, this posse where the, where the Spirit is kicking people out for Christ to go and fetch them. And I'm wondering if he's, is, if he's pitching and batting them as far as he can, or, or how does this relationship work? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a shocking business relationship that will work well, actually. You hit them out, I'll go fetch them. We're like, we will have work forever. One can laugh now, but it was quite hurtful at the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a deep rejection there and a deep criticism of, your, uh, of not only your value, but of your spirituality as well. But just on a human-to-human level, dick move, guys, dick move. And, and so... You know, in terms of where you're at at the moment, where how would you describe your ongoing relationship with with with, with God? Awesome. <laughs> um, so this is this is where I get really heretical. <laughs> um, gosh, yeah. I mean, how do I describe this? Okay, so let me put it this way: I just have so much confidence in God and His ability to just hold me and be the author of my faith. So I don't, I don't, I'm not prescriptive anymore. I don't insist on anything for myself. I just go with the flow. So as, as something crops up, if, if, if it catches my interest, I'll read it. I'll, um, you know, like at the moment, I'm really into Richard Raw. I'm reading a book he's written on the Trinity. I'm quite into Rob Bell. I'm listening to his podcasts and loving them. I You're reading the Divine Dance. Yes, yes, I am. Mm, cool. Yeah. So, like, um, so okay. So, what are some of the heretical things I believe that there isn't a hell? Okay, except that all of the stuff I believe, I I truly believe is not heretical. <laughs> I believe they they things that have been added on and 
and need to be unpacked and chucked. Well, there's there's such a there's such a phenomenal argument for the fact that the, that the contemporary vision of hell comes from Dante. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've re- already read a. I can't remember who the author is, um, but I mean, he made a very convincing argument, so I'd, I'd already bought into that. And then, um, yeah, and I, I guess I was thinking about it um, leading up to knowing I was going to talk to you, and just thinking that in some ways, uh, my I know a lot of people have been very hurt by church, and and even though I've got those some of those stories, like I I always knew there were enough other people who believed differently. And like, like my faith was never being threatened by people who rejected me or rejected what I believe because I, I always knew there were enough other people. And I, and I don't, and I'm not sad about any of the experiences I've had. Like I'm, I'm genuinely grateful for every single one because I feel, um, Every single one has, has, you know, has prompted some kind of growth in me or made me question or made me um, find out why I believe what I believe. And so I, I genuinely feel like, because I was thinking around the, 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 the whole term of deconstruction and thinking that in some ways I would, I'd prefer to call it a refining. And God says that he is the refiner's fire, you know, and I think for me, my spiritual journey is just about burning away the chaff. And, and some of it, some of it is even like, it's like, I didn't have that, that chaff before, but at some point it, it kind of, I got enmeshed in it and then I had to burn it off again, you know? Yeah. I just feel like, and I, I know, I mean, of course the criticism always is like, like, you know, it's this new agey thing, like anything goes and, you know, God's just love and all of this stuff. But I mean, genuinely, that is the, that is the measure. You know, if, if something is setting people free um, in a healthy way and it's, and, it's, and it's causing them to be more loving, then that's, that's God. And that's the kind of theology that I see you know, when I read scripture and that's, um, and, and when I listen to people who are, are teaching that, it just, it just resonates. And, and then I, I want to come back almost to that, that very first story of the, you know, when I got involved in the cult. And so mm-hmm. I just, I just trust God's spirit in me and say, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't sit well with me, then I, you know, I go with that. And if it's, if it sits well with me, if I feel the spirit in me saying, yes, this is me, then, then I go with it. I, I must say, as I, as I'm listening to you, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I was promised something heretical. Okay. Let's see what else can I say? So a communion, we don't, we don't have to take communion. We don't have to, I feel like communion was about recognizing recognizing Jesus whenever we get together and have a meal. <laughs> so we don't have to go to church and have communion. We don't have to be baptized. <laughs> we don't go to hell. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really, that, that I really want people to hear come through on this as we have these kind of conversations is the notion that for many Christians, salvation is guaranteed by your theological entrance exam. And that you've got to dot your I's and cross your T's in relation to a whole bunch of beliefs. And based on those beliefs, you're accepted or not. 
Now, now in any language of intimacy, any language of getting to know people, you know that that the beliefs and opinions that people have is amongst the surface level stuff in terms of genuine relationship. And if you can't get past that, you can't get to real relationship. You can't really get to know what drives people, what their feelings are, what their experiences are, what their hopes and dreams are, what their needs are, any of those kind of things. And I feel like, like, like in a sense, that's one of the things that, that, that one of the reasons why churches stay so shallow as communities is that, is that it's, it's communities where people are constantly having to be on their best behavior and they are constantly having to answer for what they believe and people are constantly checking. That really stops them from going anywhere. Exactly. So as so Dallas Willard, it, the divine conspiracy, you know, as he says, it's that's the, the, the barcode Christianity, like God's going to just scan you at the end of the day and see if you had the right beliefs or not, you know, and then, and, and the, and the gospel of sin management, you know? Yeah. I mean, does Jesus care that you believe he died on the cross for you? Or does he actually care that you're a decent human being? <laughs> you know, like what's more important? You know, like, you know, the whole point is to be a decent human being. That's the whole point. You know, that's what he came for. Yeah, I I feel like I'm more and more replacing this full theology with a sandbox theology. You know, that that if you look at Adam and Eve, how much of what God had for them did they fulfill before the so-called fall? Zero. Well, well, as as the I think it was one of the things I listened to Rob Bell this week. He says, like, why do people always start there with the? And I think it was Richard Raw. Why do they start with the fall? Because creation starts with it was good. Yeah, the original blessing. You know, in the words of of Matthew Fox, you know, we 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 instead of original sin, we need to embrace the language of that original blessing. But if if, if I think about it as well, the whole notion of them eating of the tree of the fruits, you know, the, the fruit of the tree and becoming like God is, is such an inherent part of the text that is so looked over because Christianity is so afraid of things like Gnosticism, so afraid of, of other faiths that cast Satan as this bringer of lights as opposed to the one that deceived humanity. But if anything, he's, he sucks as a deceiver because he, he brought them into what God had for them. They became more like God. That's the, that's the exact praise God as, you know, they've become like us <laughs> in knowing the difference between good and evil. Let's just hurry them on to the second phase so that they can become more like us. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's, there's so much to, to, to unpack around that. And I think in many ways, one of the frustrations with Christianity is that, is that there isn't the freedom to think and move. Isn't the freedom to think for yourself, mm. you know, for all the language around teaching, not much learning has taken place. For all the language of the lecture divina and that which goes back to scholasticism, people never get to the questions, the refutations, the arguments that they need, you know, in terms of, in terms of the expectation in scholasticism is that you'll challenge the text. The text is going to raise questions. You can have a jolly good fight about it in public <laughs> to get to a resolution. And yeah, there's this language of the lecture divina, which is again the language of submission, mm. the language of you're supposed to read and you're just supposed to submit to the text. You don't get to question it. Mm. And yet, in that process, medieval scholasticism understood that you would you would bring you would question the text. You wouldn't read this biblical text just to accept it. You'd read it to fight with it and fight with each other about it constructively. You know, and in our day and age, in many situations, you don't you don't have that. And so. If you're in a church and you don't agree with, oh, women in leadership, you know, women must submit to their husbands and, 
you know, be property and that kind of stuff, well, then you've got to be out. And if you're out, well, you know, you're not really submitting to God because you don't buy into these mm. beliefs. Mm. You know, mm. it's, 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 it's nonsense at mm. that level. Absolutely. And it's just fantastic that so many people today are willing to go, you know what, if this prison that isn't giving me life is not worth it, I'll take the risk of giving that up. Why? Because I believe that there's life mm. out there. And why? Because God is bigger mm. than this. So I will, I'll happily give up this certainty to embrace the uncertainty. And then in that, discover that there's so much life in that. You know, it's just, you know, hats off, you know, hats off to you. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. fantastic that you've done that and that, that, that you've been willing to do that. Yeah. It's a mystery in some ways to me. I think, I think it, earlier in my faith, you know, there was this very um, sort of driven thinking that God used me. You know, my whole being is to, is to sort of, is ministry. And then now I've ended in a place where I would say I don't really have a platform at all. And yet it doesn't really faze me. And I've, 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 I've come to realize or believe that like God is not, first of all, I don't think God needs our ministry as much as we think he does. <laughs> like, I think he's doing okay by himself. <laughs> you know, like he's managing it fine, you know. And I think he doesn't want to use us either. I, I, that, that was a mind-blowing moment for me. And that was Sarah Bessie. She actually put it in like, like you know, like those little motivational type memes with like a beautiful like landscape. And it said, God doesn't want to use you. <laughs> and her, and, and it, you kind of read it and you go, what? He doesn't want to use me? And, and her point was, you know, like, like, that's not his motivation. He wants to have a relationship with you. Like, he wants to know you. He's like, you know, it's, it's not like he, you've got to join his marketing team. Even that notion of, of being used by God and being spent by God. Is, is, is the language of, you know, it's the old language of slavery. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you use them till the muscles yeah. are, are pulling off their bone, then you put them on the road and it's like, yeah. good luck, buddy. You know, and, there's no retirement plan for you. You're going to die miserably. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what I'm saying is, like, sometimes I, I still am tempted to go like, God, why are you teaching me this? Like, like why are you showing, like, 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 what's the purpose? And there is, there doesn't have to be a purpose. Like, like, I don't have to have a platform. God is content that I'm learning this stuff. He literally doesn't need me. You know, and I, I'm continually bowled over. Okay, here's another nice heretical thing. Like, I think God uses Hollywood so much. Like, I think God uses the movies and TV so much. Like, I honestly, I watch so many shows um, that I think are just profoundly spiritual. Have you watched Messiah? On Netflix. Uh, I haven't watched mm, Messiah yet. No, watch no, no, no. it. It's such an interesting show. Like, and I just see God. I, I so often watch TV programs and think, but that's exactly the story of the kingdom. And, um, and I just think, why wouldn't God use Hollywood? Like, you know, all truth is God's truth. And why wouldn't he use it if that was the, if that was what people were going to, most people are going to watch, you know? So again, I just think this whole notion that God's truth is somehow only pervaded by the church is just rubbish. Well, you've got to corner, you've got to corner the market if you want to keep the, uh, <laughs> the, the buyers coming to your door. <laughs> Otherwise they might shop elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
you've got to have uh, proprietary ownership. You know, it should be the gospel gospel trademark that you can only get through this particular institution and its derivatives. <laughs> what a fascinating story, Natty. Not often people give me free reign to express my th- my thoughts. <laughs> it's a real privilege to be able to get to know you beginning in this as a context and hear you speak so frankly about this.